Hello there. I'm Siobhan McClay, she, her. And I'm Jen Jackson, she, her. This is season two of Embodiment for the Rest of Us, a podcast series exploring topics within the intersections that exist in fat liberation. In this show, we interview professionals and those with lived experience alike to learn how they are affecting radical change and how we can all make this world a safer and more welcoming place for those living in larger bodies and those historically marginalized who should be centered, listened to, and supported. Captions and content warnings are provided in the show notes for each episode, including specific timestamps, so that you can skip triggering content anytime that feels supportive to you. This podcast is a representation of our co-host and guest experiences and may not be reflective of yours. These conversations are not medical advice and are not a substitute for mental health or nutrition support. In addition, the conversations held here are not exhaustive in scope or depth. These topics, these perspectives are not complete and are always in process. These are just highlights. Just like posts on social media or any other podcast, this is just a glimpse. We are always interested in any feedback on this process if something needs to be addressed. You can email us at listener, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, at embodimentfortherestofus.com. And now for today's episode. Welcome to episode six of our second season of the Embodiment for the Rest of Us podcast. On today's episode, we have an incredibly special and moving conversation with Michelle Phillips, they, them, as we take a journey into liberation as embodiment and embodiment as liberation. What started as a connection in the Facebook group Clinicians of Color became an expansive private message conversation about embodiment and liberation. And it was a no brainer to ask Michelle to come speak with us. Michelle Phillips, the liberation strategist is a mental health and spiritual care practitioner with over 15 years of experience in transformational and holistic care. They have been on a journey of walking with individuals toward a deeper understanding of themselves on every level of wellness, spiritual, somatic, mental, and emotional. Michelle is the founder of Liberation Strategies, an agent of liberatory change, which provides liberation coaching for individuals, nonprofits, and organizations. Compassionate and grounded in helping people realize their own power to cultivate change, Michelle creates space for clients to transmute their grief toward joy and liberation. Michelle is an intuitive mental health clinician, coach, consultant, and facilitator, a native of Decatur, Georgia, a current resident, and a provisionally licensed clinician in Washington State. They hold a master's in clinical mental health counseling from Seattle University in Seattle, Washington. In addition, Michelle is a 2020 National Board of Certified Counselors Minority Fellow for Clinical Mental Health Counseling. Michelle is a parent, a partner, and a step-parent to two Karen Terriers, Adler and Dempsey. Michelle loves being outside in forests, gardens, canyons, mountains, and at the water's edge when not working. They love learning more about herbs and plant relatives while hiking and walking in gardens. They also love singing, a deep and soothing balm for the soul. You can find Michelle's current written work in the most recent issue of the Feminist Press's Women's Studies Quarterly Journal on Black Love. You can find links to this work and to Michelle's social media, website, and portfolio in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for being here, listening, and holding space with us, dear listeners. And now for today's episode. 
The second season is so fun and exciting, and that continues today with Michelle Phillips, they, them, who is joining us from Seattle, someone whose support work explores the full spectrum of liberation and being human. There's so many things to discover in their wisdom. Ah, yay! (laughs) Without further ado, how are you doing today, Michelle? Oh, thank you for asking. Oh my gosh, I'm doing well today. It's um, cloudy with a little bit of sun breaking through in Seattle. So that's always nice at this time of the year. Great. I love that. We're, we're so glad to have you here. Thank you so much. We're so honored. Yes. So thank, you, thank you for having me. <laughs> There's something about that. I, I picked a fidget that looks like a heart today and I was just <laughs> holding it to my heart. That felt really good. Mm-hmm. As we, as we start our conversation today about being aware and awake in our bodies, I'd love to start with asking our usual centering question um, about the themes of our podcast and how they occur to you. Can you share with us what embodiment means to you and what your embodiment journey has been like, if you would like to share that with us? Mm. Thank you. So embodiment, you know, it's, I feel like it's, it's almost this buzzword. It's around, it's around so much. Like so many people are talking about embodiment from so many different angles and lenses and, you know, all the things. Um, And I really, for me, and I was kind of reflecting on this this morning, you know, it's like the word, you know, embodiment, it's, it's almost like, you, you, you naturally think like to be in a body, right. To be in the body. And I was thinking like, for me, maybe it's like, it's like being with the body. Right. So it's like being with, like being in relationship, Mm. right. With and to one's own body. Right. And, um, And that can mean so many different things for so many different people and so many different bodies, right? But it really feels like, um, it feels like such a call and such an imperative to be in right relationship with one's own body and and what that means. So um, I've just been so grateful to, to just reflect on that. And, you know, I have, you know, I have really been on this journey for, I feel like my whole life, Um, you know, and I, as, you know, as someone who has, you know, kind of slowly moved up and down, you know, um, in the shape of my body over the years, like, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a real, a real journey. And I, I was thinking about recently, I had an art teacher in third grade, her name was Mrs. Emerson. And Mrs. Emerson was an excellent art teacher. And one of the things that she absolutely would not allow you to do was to um, start over if you messed up. Mm. Mm. Right. So can you imagine like all these third graders like I can't have another piece of paper. Mrs. Emerson, I messed up. Right. And Mrs. Emerson would not. And she would say like, oh, if you mess up, keep going. Like you're just getting started. Like now it's about to get good. Right. And I've wanted I've found myself in places where I can I swap my body out. Can I have a different one? Like, uh, 
can I sign over, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you know, for, for better and worse, right? For better and worse. This is the body I have. This is the one I'm giving. And so I'm 45 years old. I don't know if y'all know that, but I am 45. And I can really say that I'm grateful for my body now. And I wouldn't know what to do with another one. Mm -hmm. Right? So somehow I've come into a relationship with this body. And I I don't want to change it out anymore. Mm. Uh, Wow. That is... Mm, just gonna sit for a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very nourishing. It is to listen to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How empowering for those little kiddos, for you, for everyone to just say, "I, I just, I'm just gonna keep going. I don't need to keep starting over." That's that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I loved playing around with a phrase like for better or worse and really getting that when it's for better and worse, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. there's a depth to that, that I was feeling that I just don't hear when the or is present more than hearing that I was feeling. I could feel the and of that, this idea Mm -hmm. of, I don't know what I do with another body that really like struck me. Like I really felt that land over here. Um, I don't either. I don't know what I do with another body. Right. Um, And considering that all the versions of my body and myself, the being in this body all exist here in this ongoing journey being in another body would be without those, or Mm -hmm. like if I was just imagining it like a freaky Friday scenario, showing up in someone else's body, suddenly it would be really confusing and disorienting to not have that relationship to just step into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really loved that exploration of, Mm -hmm. of depth. Mm And I really heard you honoring yourself and your body in your comfort or um, consideration of yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, I, I feel like there's so much in our culture particularly diet culture, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the, the exacting demand, right? To, to, you know, kind of cut off this relationship with, and like, we're, we're going to do something different with this body. We're going to change the shape of this body. We're going to like, you know, we're going to do something different. We're going to be in a different way with this thing that, you know, I mean, the body, <laughs> Mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. same mm. the same it's the mm-hmm. same it's you know there's such consistency right and um so yeah it's it's really it's been a journey right yeah. to for me to understand that you know I don't get a do-over this is the one that I got 
Mm-hmm. And how do I get the one that I got to be the one that I want? Ooh, yeah. That gave me instant chills. Mm-hmm. Really instant. Mm-hmm. It's such mm. an idea of partnership with your body, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and when you're talking about diet culture, I was when you were talking about it before, I was thinking of like that idea of last supper eating, you know, like this is the day my, you know, my diet starts tomorrow. I'm going to eat blah, 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 do this and da, 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 da. And then tomorrow it's a whole thing, a whole new thing. That's not, that's not how it works. Um, mm-hmm. The body is the body, the body endures, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really sitting with me. Mm-hmm. 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 Ooh, that was beautiful. Bodies are going to body. It's a thing to that. be in awe of, not a thing mm-hmm. to be resistant or in friction yes. with mm-hmm. or about it's, mm-hmm. it's awe. Like uh, mm-hmm. the awe, the true awe of awesome, the presence of awe. Ooh, Ooh I've like had constant chills listening to both of you. <laughs> it's really mm-hmm. lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's so it's so interesting because you know I have I I have done so many things with my body. Like I have just, you know, and, and that relationship of being with that, that body that has moved up and down the scale, mm-hmm. you know, and has been in different shapes at different times, been larger, been smaller, been, you know, all these things like at each of those checkpoints, I have made re- significant requests of my body mm. Mm. And, you know, as I age, I'm learning that my body is less responsive to those demands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my body is like, mm, I see you. <laughs> and we don't want to do that. No. Right. We don't want to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to, yeah, it's, I could, I feel, I could go on and on and on. You know, that I feel like this is the, the culmination yeah. of, of a lot of things on, um, on my body journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, that makes me also think like embodiment isn't just about the sizing and the shaping of your body for a lot of people, you know, the level of ability in your body. Like you said, your body doesn't respond or even more severe becoming disabled for some people or for those of us who decide to give birth, you know, um, biologically, that's a huge ask and a huge demand on your body. Um, there are lots of things, lots of aspects of identity that play into embodiment, not just your physical form. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and what you can see and not see, you know, as mm-hmm. someone, I also struggle with, you know, some chronic conditions and, mm-hmm. you know, all of, all of it is included, mm-hmm. right? It's like, you know, we can't separate out these things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They're all happening at the same time. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the space... I'm looking at the window at the snow to find spaciousness in my mind. <laughs> this the the space in that for how can right relationship transform as life transforms? Mm-hmm. And how can we also be in right relationship when things are not in our control or unknown? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like what transcends the physical in the embodiment of us as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm, first journal topic of the episode <laughs> for me. <laughs> so many journal topics always. <laughs> I I actually hadn't considered the not body parts of embodiment. Like what actually is not like it's in our body, right? But mm-hmm. it's not about the body in embodiment. There's just something there. I don't know that I have words for that exactly, hmm. but whatever transcends that. It definitely feels like there's some sort of space there that I haven't Mm -hmm. discovered or explored. Thank you for that. Speaking of the pandemic, as a human being, how has the pandemic affected your embodiment practices in ways that might challenge your process? Has there been anything that feels like it connects you even further? Uh, What lights you up about what you do and when are you feeling most embodied? I'm sorry. I have to laugh because <laughs> the the pandemic for me has been all about embodiment, like uh, <laughs> 100%. And if you are, uh, I feel like if you're a person that has any sort of relationship with um, your body in, in any kind of way, right, it really got turned up during the pandemic particularly the early parts of the pandemic right you know before testing before vaccines you know I feel like I was so deep in my body because I'm literally trying to figure out if I got COVID or not so I'm Mm. listening Mm. I am listening to the blood flow in the back of my right calf like is that COVID (laughs) wait hold on you know like I'm literally listening to this chatty body, right? Like just, mm. oh, is it, is it here? Is this it? Right. So I completely 100%, right, was maybe not 100%, but I was really, really in my body in the top of the pandemic, like listening for all the signs and symptoms, right? Because this, you know, And when I say listening to the body, this is part of, you know, my embodiment practice, right? So when I'm, you know, when I'm in the the scan of my body, like what is happening here? What is that? Is this pressure? Is this cold? Mm -hmm. And I'm getting really curious about all these different things. Um, Like it really, I feel like it really married well with what was already, um, uh, a developing embodiment practice. Um, so that that's kind of where I was at the top of the pandemic, you know, and it, it, it's, it's getting a little bit better now. We got some more information. We got, <laughs> you know, we're, we're settling. We're not so much in the limbic system, right, of like, oh, my God, like, you know, peril, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're, I'm not going to say we're coming out of the pandemic. I'm never one of those people, um, but we're still in it, but we're, we're in a different place. And so we can be in less fear, you know, less, you know, activation of the nervous system. Um, and so, but that, I feel like it was, it really deepened my practice, um, you know, the, the whole pandemic did. Um, and it was exciting for me to get to work with other people in, um, you know, so, so how do, how do we get into the body? How do we, how do we listen 
How do we like how what embodiment? What is it? How do we do it? You know, and so it really started to kind of develop, um, you know, more with more speed, more vigor um, mm-hmm. during this time. So because we're all focusing on our bodies like like never before. And, and now it's like, oh, well, also, like, how do we can is there anything we can do to support our bodies additionally like what can I do for my immunity like what can I do for my you know I got clients you know using the neti pot right you know (laughs) never would have before it's like okay you know let's let's drain the the nasal passages how about that let's try that you know so um it's been it's been really fun um to to be able to have a place like a playground to kind of practice some of these things and I feel like the pandemic gave that to to me wow that is I love that answer it's I mean obviously this pandemic has just been awful in so many ways um but it it's it's good to hear someone saying that it, what, what it's given them in a positive way too. We don't always hear that. So that's, that's been great. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that because when I think of all, all the good things that have come about, I feel really privileged saying it, but I also think even if there isn't a huge amount of privilege, we've all been given that opportunity to kind of hone in on what's going on in our bodies and what doesn't feel right. What does feel right in our bodies um, in terms of the, the virus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, no doubt. There's grief. I lost my sister mm. <laughs> at the top of oh. the pandemic, right? So oh, not so from sorry. COVID, right? Oh. But during this container of grief, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so it has been a demand, right? With all of this grief, like grief lives in the body. And I, I keep trying to tell people about grief and I'm like, they don't understand what it is. And I'm like, it's a feeling and humans feel feelings in the body. So I've had to start calling it heartbreak. Mm. Oh, see? In your body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I just felt that immediately. Heartbreak. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That grief. Mm-hmm. Heartbreak. Right. To be able to land its presence in a body. Right. So there's there's been loss. Right. Yes. But we're so we're we're not practiced at this that we're avoiding the grief but the grief has to live in the body we have to be in relationship with the body with the grief right all there together mm. right yeah so there's been sucky parts of the pandemic oh, for yes, sure indeed. yes indeed for me right <laughs> yes. right oh many 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 right yeah right. and and right like it it's not even an ask anymore it's an imperative yes. right that we're in this embodiment practice yes. because we can't grieve unless we're in relationship with our body because that's where the grief is happening mm. right and in many layers yes. many 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 layers mm-hmm. Ooh, an imperative of embodiment as I loved that playground mm-hmm. I heard a lot of invitation there and especially if we have not been or have been dipping our toes and walking away from embodiment mm-hmm. for it to have some real for to go from 
surface level looks or the moments of invitation that don't feel that important to be in a space of this is important. Yeah. This is, it's a, it's a priority. Mm-hmm. I was hearing in what you're saying, right? A connected value driven, who am I in this body mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, it's so basic, like, you know, the, the check-ins, right. With, with friends, with families, with clients, right. It's like, you know, what, how are you eating? How are you Mm. sleeping? How are you hydrating yourself? Right. Like, you know, and, and, you know, and I have a practice that I use particularly with my clients, but you'd be surprised like how many people will just sit and talk to you for an hour having to go to the bathroom. I would do that. Mm-hmm. I would that? I do that. Yeah, like what it, go use the bathroom. Right? There, there's there's literally nothing that is so urgent. Like you don't have to sit through my session having to pee. Go pee. Mm. Take care of the body. The mm. body. The body. The body. The body. Ooh. Go pee. Yeah, I'm like, listen, body. I'm so for anyone listening, I'm like pushing my thoughts to the side in the air, like, no, 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 no. I'm busy. I'm busy, busy, I'm busy, busy. We'll pee after, we'll pee after. Right. Not not now, body. And the body's like, I have to pee. And I'm like, no. And it's like, I have to pee. What a trusting or invitation. To trust from the body to keep telling me, and you have to pee. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Yes. 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 I just sit, you know, go, go, go take care of yourself. Go get the tea. Go get the blanket. Oh, you t- want to get the sweatshirt? Go get the sweatshirt. Go to the bathroom? Go to the bathroom. You need to stretch? Go stretch. Right? Mm. What does the body need now? What do I need now? Let the body respond. What does the body need now? Mm. 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 embodied that let the body respond it's like embodied questions embodied choices absolutely because this is this is so when we talk about and we're probably going to talk about this later we're talking about decolonizing the connection to the mind and the body Yes. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. talking about the mind, if you ask your mind, what do I need? Okay. so now the mind is talking. I need to take the trash out. I need to respond to these emails. I need to pick my kid up from the school. I need to go do this. I need to da 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 da. And it ad nauseum. If you ask your mind what you need. Right. But say you pose that same question to your body. What do I need? And you just let your body answer the question. You know what you're going to get? I need to put some socks on. I need to stretch. I need to go to the bathroom. I should probably take a probiotic. You know what? My back is itching. You know, it's like I should stand up and fold at the waist. Right. I could really use some fresh air and maybe a turn around the neighborhood. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say turnover because that's what I'm feeling. My body's like, maybe we're a little hungry. <laughs> right. Or maybe that's we're too, hungry. Right? Maybe we need, maybe we need food. Maybe mm. we need water. Right. And so these are the things that will mm. arise when we let our bodies answer the question, what do we need? Mm-hmm. And if we take care of all of those needs, like if we just said, okay, I'm going to take 30 minutes. 15 minutes and I'm going to give my body whatever it is asking for. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that's the meditation that I give to my clients. Right. Mm. But just, just sit down and do everything that the body is asking for. Right. Mm-hmm. Sit down, take some breaths, go do it. Come back, sit down, take some more breaths, go do the next thing. Mm. And the next thing, mm-hmm. and the next thing, and the next thing. Yeah, this feels like a really nurturing and self-loving way to answer what you need and what needs mm. to be done, especially for people who struggle with um, kind of staying, being able to prioritize what they need. Um, people who might um, be neurodivergent, right? Um, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to sit down. And I'm going to do this and then I'm going to sit down. That feels really expansive. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and it's, it, I, I use it particularly when you say neurodivergent, right? Like just people who have felt, um, what's the word? Um, not comfortable in met quote, and I'm putting quotes around this, majorly meditation spaces right Mm. you know people Mm. who have like been traumatized who like who cannot sit you know with a downward cast gaze or eyes closed and you know be left alone in their minds and things like this or or you know people who have racing thoughts right it's we're so separated from our bodies like we can't even come into those situations thinking that we can have you know some type of quote unquote right meditation experience right because we're so separated from the body so we can't even get there so the practice has to be attending to the body first attend Mm -hmm. attend 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 right and then we can attune right so i i you know i'm adhd as the like you know like the rest of us right (laughs) Right. And so the, I, that is my practice. Right. Right. Breathe, attend, breathe, attend. Right. Go do the thing. Right. Because we have to get it out of our body. Sometimes we have to work out this energy, you know. Mm. Mm. I had to write that down. Me too. <laughs> attend, then attune. That's that's incredible. And earlier you were talking about what if we're not in a capitalist narrative Um, outside of that space. So in that space, attunement is asked to come first. Why can't, in other words, it's a shameful phrasing. Why can't you just attune says the professional getting paid money to the person who doesn't know the answer to that question. Mm. Um, No space for attending. So as a dietitian in the traditional model of things, I am told to say, why aren't you attuning? Here are steps A through Z. Very easy to attune, but I actually can't follow them. My ADHD, (laughs) neurodivergent brain, it can't. I can't do it for myself. Mm -hmm. Attend and then attune. See ourselves as we are and then ask what we'd like to tune into from the body Mm -hmm. is very 
very powerful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, part of this, part of the attending is about attention. Mm. And in the capitalist frame, our attention is being paid for. Mm. People are paying for your attention. They're paying for my attention. It's being paid for. Mm. To the tune of millions and billions, Mm. right? So to the degree, right, that the system can get us to not pay attention to ourselves and our bodies, right? Then Mm. we will purchase anything that we, right, believe will help us, right? We're out here. We're searching, Mm. right? Right. They need us to not pay attention to ourselves, Right. The algorithms and social media are designed, designed to take us further away from ourselves. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So our attention is being is being paid for. So so we can't we we it it is we can't pay attention to ourselves when somebody's paying a million billion dollars for our attention. Right. So this is why the practice, right, is so important. It has to be prioritized because we need to be able to pay attention to ourselves so that we can attune to what it is that we need. Mm -hmm. Right. So why you can't pay attention is because your attention has been paid for and you got to snatch it back from capitalism. Mm. Right. So what does the body need? Start paying attention. You got to pee, go pee. You need some water, (laughs) go drink. You know what I'm saying? This is how you take, you reclaim and disrupt capitalist notions on your Mm. attention. Mm. Mm. I don't think I've ever considered that attention and attend Mm -hmm. are the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're not even in attendance is something I was just thinking. In fact, we're like, we're in attendance outside of ourselves, you know, head only, thoughts only, um, logical spaces, survival mm-hmm. spaces. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So th- this is really about anti-oppression. This is about liberation, mm-hmm. right? This is how we liberate ourselves by paying mm-hmm. attention, mm-hmm. by attuning. Mm. you're really great with segues i have to say you have an instinct for what's coming next not just because you've already seen it but also there's something in it's very connected it's really Mm -hmm. beautiful Mm. in you're just talking about liberation and in mentioning liberation I'm, I'm already starting to hear the answer to this question. And so I want to pose it. How does one sense of embodiment impact their own liberation and efforts towards collective liberation? Um, and which structures and systems get in the way? Again, you've already named them, but this, these just feel important to name. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, you know, it's uh, one of the things I did want to um 
like just kind of presence and I I think that you know we we start talking about the body and you know sometimes we don't often or always make the the segue with spirit or spirituality and I truly believe that the bodies is all we have and it can get us there right mm -hmm. But so, so much of this, um, this structure of capitalism is, is when, when we're talking about decolonizing the mind and body connection, we, we have to talk about the, the role of spirituality, um, particularly because there's so much cultural and spiritual appropriation in the conversation of mind and body connectedness, right? In this discourse, in this narrative, right? So, you know, I, you know, as a, a person, you know, for so long, right, caught up in this, this way of thinking that I, I needed something um, outside of myself to get, you know, connected to myself. You see how ridiculous this is starting to sound, <laughs> right? Right. So I needed something outside of myself to connect back to myself. And, you know, having been on a spiritual journey for a long time, often the things that were, you know, seen as available to me were, you know, these yoga classes, you know, often taught by white women, right? These meditation spaces, often taught by white folks, right? These, you know, all, you know, these wellness centers, you know, that we have that largely expand across indigenous lands, right? I didn't need to go there, <laughs> right? On this year, mm. settled and colonized, so I got to go to, you know, don't get me started, right, on these places, <laughs> right? But these, these are the places I needed outside of myself to connect back to myself, right? <laughs> okay. Ooh. So yeah. um, So when you start talking about how there's so much appropriation of Black, Brown, and Indigenous medicines, mm -hmm. right, that are stolen, rebranded and sold back to us at prices that we cannot afford. Absolutely. Right, this is spiritual extortion. Like you've now you've now stolen something, you've repackaged it, rebranded it, and now you're like selling it, right? This is capitalism, right? So mm -hmm. and convinced me that I need it. And not only that I need it, I need you to certify me in it. Yes. So that I could teach others. Come mm -hmm. on, you feel me? Mm -hmm. Wild, right? You see how, like, so now we're so far. Now I'm so far because now I don't have the money for this class. I don't have money for the athleisure, you know, mm -hmm. athletic wear that I need. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so, I'm so far down this road, so far away from myself, right? 
with the goal of trying to connect with myself, right? And these are the things that capitalism convinced me that I need in order to do this, right? Mm, mm -hmm. And so as a young person, I had to give up because I'm black, I'm queer, I'm larger bodied. You know, I've got a chronic condition, you know, that affects my bone joints and movement. Like, how am I, how am I, you know, going to jump in to, you know, this way of being, right? And how am I going to not be harmed, right? You know, so, so, so you give up and you think that, embodiment mind body connection the only people that get to do this are you know you got to be white thin straight rich able-bodied and those are the people who get to continue to be in the discourse who gets to be mindful who get to have a mind body connection who get to be embodied right um and so i don't even know where the question was that you posed to me, but I had to like bring, I had to like name spirituality. I was like, wait, so we, we're going to talk about capitalism, but there's this, there's this element that, that is so insidious around the use of spirituality, right. That has been co-opted and extorted, right. That continues to separate people from themselves and I I had to put that in there and Mm. if you want to repeat the question now you can because I had to like bring the two together Mm. yeah um you've already touched all of the things I think and I will repeat it um it was a question about liberation and how that um is towards collective liberation and what specifically gets in the way I mean, you are describing that. And I wonder in repeating that, what else comes to the surface for you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I do this work one-on-one and I, I, I do some groups, but you know, like, how do we get like many, many, many people together, right? With the, the intent of, you know, being embodied, being in relationship with our body. What would happen if, right? If everyone, if we all said, okay, capitalism, I see you over there. I see you over there. And, right, because, you know, I can't say, you know, I can't be, I can't imagine an anti-capitalist frame for myself fully, right? Because I live in this country, right? Mm -hmm. And I do business in this country. And you know what I'm saying? So, but how can we like hold, how can we presence the oppressive system in the rooms, right? So like we see you, right? Mm -hmm. And this is how you're showing up in this space. And we're gonna turn over here, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we're gonna be in relationship with our body So that we can be, because we have to do this work first so that we can be in authentic relationship with other bodies, Mm. right? Without Mm. harming them, right? So when we talk about the collective, it starts with us, right? Mm. So that I can be in community, right? Like I, I have to do this work 
right? So that I can show up fully as myself, Mm -hmm. right? For those I love and care about, the people I work with, right? And the the rippled impact that, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm I had never thought of spirituality as one of those structures and or how spirituality is co-opted, extorted mm-hmm. as a way to further. Mm-hmm. I'm losing my words. I know what I'm saying in my head. I don't know where I was going. Um, to further the not the mission, the mm-hmm. the grasp, the of I guess, of capitalism. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. The absolutely. reach of capitalism. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Never yeah. seen it that way. That's really, really powerful. I mean, obviously, it makes sense, but. And, I, and one thing you said is that it's ridiculous that you thought that. I'm like, it's it's not that ridiculous. It's what we're taught to think. Like, I, don't, I mean, maybe it's ridiculous in that we shouldn't be doing it, but it's not ridiculous that you're one of the people doing it. We're all taught that. We're all taught, you need to, I need to become a yoga teacher. I need to learn how to do meditation. I need to buy this sports bra, whatever, mm-hmm. because otherwise I cannot practice mm-hmm. what I need to feel embodied. Like that's, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous <laughs> that, that, that the system, right. is yeah. set up that way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, that those, those ideas are what was available. Mm-hmm. At the time, right. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah. and that's why I'm so grateful that there's so many people talking about this work now mm-hmm. doing this work actively right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the idea that individual liberation is what's necessary to lead to collective liberation. That's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. How can we find space to not co-opt each other, to not steal mm-hmm. from each other, to not extort each other in ways that we may not have even consciously been aware of to both notice it and a word that was coming up for me when you were talking, Michelle, was disrupt. Tensional disruption of the same old way it's always going inside the system to even have a chance to look outside it, try to feel what it's like outside it. For milliseconds even, it feels uh, a disruption would be uh, really powerful, like in a harnessing your power way, not in a performance way. And to think about kind of our word of the day, spaciousness, I was like, ooh, the brand of spaciousness shows up in spirituality all the time. Your quotes of mindful exercises, meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, yeah, it's so branded. Mm-hmm. It's so stolen. It's so separate from its origins. We can do anything in dietetics, taking food from other cultures and saying this one, usually the blandest and not even the most important one, is how we define health now. We got it from these people, but it's ours down, right? Even the idea of like the Mediterranean diet, which is actually based on the black and brown people south of the Mediterranean, but we always hear it talked about as the white people in the north of the Mediterranean. There's not even in co-opting and stealing um, it's so insidious. I think that's a word you used earlier um, because we're not even talking about what we say we're talking about in the end. It's so diluted. It's so misguided. It's so confused and therefore mm-hmm. confusing. I was, I was just kind of sitting with what, 
spaciousness as not a brand, as a feeling, as an embodiment and not a way to do it. There's no rubric. There's no order of things. There's, oh, well, there can be. I was really hearing today attending comes before attunement. I don't mean like that. I mean, like there isn't a list out there that's like, these are the 10 things. This is all we have to offer you. Why aren't you doing them? Mm. A really ableist and human doing mm. kind of stance, right? How to mm. do it, how everyone mm. else can know you're doing it. That's nothing to do with embodiment. Yeah, right. Yeah. I like your use of, use of the word stolen rather than co-opted. I say co-opted a lot, but stolen really hones in on the violence that is perpetuated against the people that, or the people whose cultures are being, I was going to say co-opted. I can't think of the word, but you know what I mean? Like there's the violent, the inherent violence of the word stolen. Like I am coming in, I am telling you, I like this. So it's mine now, you know, like Absolutely. it makes me think of my toddler. Who's like, I like this toy. It's mine now. Like there's nothing kind about it. He's like, this is mine, <laughs> you know, um, the colonization of the toddler. <laughs> yeah. The colonization of his that. stupid dinosaur toy, um, from his, from his brother. Yeah. But I mean, there's inherent violence to the word stolen. I think that's really important too. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. And I, I think, you know, I've had experiences where and I can't name the the place that I was at. I shouldn't. Right. But I was at one of these, you know, wellness centers, mm. you know, these sort of like, you know, that that span across all of the indigenous lands with the main lodge and the yoga classes and the treatments and the da 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 and I was in a yoga class in one of these things and I remember openly weeping in this yoga class because like there was just no evidence that this practice had ever been associated with a brown person ever mm-hmm. like the all there was no sanskrit used for any of the the asanas right there you know, there was no altar, you know, there was no association of lineage. There was no, like, it was completely erased. And it was just like, cow pose, tree pose, eagle pose. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. literally. And I just remember being in the, and I was weeping. Like, almost to the point of wailing at how incredibly, like, the grief that this practice was no longer tethered, right, to its origins. And how there are so many bodies in this space that had paid all the monies to be in the space, to do all the, you know, and it's just like, there was just no evidence and I just was weeping, Mm -hmm. right? Because these traditions are, are stolen, right? And, and as you say, and, and so separate, Mm -hmm. right, from, from source, from the source, their Mm -hmm. source, right? Um, But yeah. And then gate kept, right? And then there's gatekeeping, so you can't access it ever again. And And if you you can, no, we're not, we're still not going to let you, even if you can't afford it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And and even if you can't afford it, you're not going to feel good up in here anyways, because we're going to be side-eyeing you and like Absolutely. treating you like you don't belong anyways. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I actually, you know what? I don't belong. And I'm actually going to leave. Wow. Now. When like, you say stolen, I'm realizing I that I can right. feel right. Yeah. how much truth yeah. is missing. Absolutely. Yeah. The 
So authenticity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just gone. It's it's a feeling of like the void that's there, which is not a nourishing feeling, an embodied feeling, something to attend to. Feels like something to run from, that kind of void. So I really get that. Um, and mm-hmm. I feel like I can hear what it might feel like. And I also know that I haven't felt that. Maybe being a larger bodied person in a yoga class, maybe. Um, but I wouldn't say that I did know that at the time. But really getting that, it's like when we talk about like, ancient wisdom, how long things have been around before Western science is like, this is ours now, right? I'm like, this is thousands of years old, millennia. And you're like, this is ours. And also, but we have to wait to see if it's backed by science. (laughs) Right. Now it has to be quote, evidence-based unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What a fucking elitist thing. I'm just sitting with that, right? It's one of the three things I'm supposed to always have in my clinical mind with me in a session. I'm like, oh, I always have to have elitism with me in that modality, in that projected or regimented space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes me mad. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. It's such, you're talking about it being violent earlier, Siobhan. It's such erasure. It's stolen and then erased. Right. Right. So violent. It's so intentional. Um, It's so in the direction of someone in power just getting to have that because they say so. Not Mm -hmm. honoring anything that happened before. It's such a, what is the word my brain is looking for? Well, the word that's coming to mind is like truncating, but that doesn't, that's not even the the word I mean, but it's just so severe. It's so Mm. abrupt. Mm, mm -hmm. It's the kind of, it's the kind of violence where the person or people who don't have the power also can't see it coming. That's how violent it is. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Or even if they can, do they have choices? Right. I'm purposely using they, because I know that that's not my experience or my lineage's experience. And a lot of bias and privilege has kept me from considering that before. So I'm feeling really honored to have that conversation in my mind now to attend to it and see how that shows up in my body. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about the second half of our podcast title. What does the rest of us mean to you? How do you identify within the rest of us? We'd also love for you to share your pronouns and identify your privileged identities and context here as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what does, well, let me start with identifying, positioning myself. Um, So my pronouns are they, them, and I recently acquired we. Mm. Um, And I really hold those as, part of my non-binary gender identity, but also an ancestral practice. Um, And so those are the pronouns that I use. Um, You'll often hear me talking about, so what are we doing now? And I'm really talking about all of we. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then, so that's, and then the identities that 
I hold that are definitely ones of privilege. Um, I, um, I am able-bodied, um, neurodivergent, but I think I presence that a little bit earlier. Um, I, uh, have, uh, I'm educated, have a master's degree. Um, I am, you know, I, I, one of the things that I, I say when people talk about this, that I have to presence as a privilege is I am a black person. I identify as black who was raised in an all black environment, right? Mm-hmm. So I was I was born and raised outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And so I I grew up all the people that were on my street were black. I went to black schools, I had black teachers. I went to a black church and everything that was around me for the first 18 years of my life was pretty black. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I got to high school, there was some there were some white kids there. Um, but I hold that as a place of privilege because um, as I have grown up, you know, I've met so many uh, black people for whatever reason that may not have had access to black culture. Um, yeah. And so mm-hmm. I I find myself at this, being able to identify that as a privilege. Um, I speak English, um, you know, I have health insurance, I'm housed, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I count those as as valuable as mm-hmm. all of those other identities of privilege that I carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, the rest of us, you know, we talk about intersectionality, you know, it's just like everybody else down at the intersection, you know, like with, you know, all, all of the, the competing identities. And we were, you know, kind of talking about this, you know, who's who's left out of, you know, um, this new sort of like wellness and lifestyle culture as a mechanism to obtain a mind bodied connection right who's who's outside of that right poor folks black folks brown folks indigenous folks you know what i'm saying like disabled folks right like you know so you know that that's the rest of us right it's 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 everybody else you know kind of not you know positioned in that sort of global north you know what we think of as like western dominant culture um and we are the majority. Mm-hmm. We are the majority. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's the rest of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you identify as the rest of us? Um. Although you said it earlier, I'm just <laughs> a few things earlier. I just wanted to bring it back in the context. Yep. Oh yeah. Just are you are you talking about just like you know blackness, queerness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. non-binariness? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those things, neurodivergence. Yeah, um, those those things are the ways in which I position myself, and and mm-hmm. in in the rest of us, um, most most definitely, um, I'm an older parent, 
Mm. I feel like that's a thing. <laughs> it is. Um, I mean, I'm, I feel like that, but I don't know if that's true, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, if it's not a thing, let's make it a thing. Let's make it a thing. It feels hard, um, so you know. Hard. Yeah, and um, let's see. Um, yeah, you know, and like, I'm, I'm a Black person who loves another Black person. And... You know, like, on days that feels like, you know, the struggle worth fighting for, you know, it's beautiful. Mm. I feel honored every day that I get to choose this person. But there's so much in this world, right, that doesn't support <laughs> um, that particular union. And so um, it's something that I work really hard at my relationship and I'm very intentional about it. Thank you so much for sharing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you know, and the way that we asked this, it's about identifying and I loved your language of positioning myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where am I among this mix that's everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, what are all the things that overlap here? Mm -hmm. Intersectionality. I, I love that word. Position mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. um, everything has a direction. Everything. And I feel like it doesn't get spoken about a lot. And I, I really appreciate that. Thinking about what is our position? Where are we going? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which ways can we go? Which ones are limited? I just love that. I, that I get a strong visual mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's true. And you know, a lot of times when I work with more than one person, so if I'm working with a couple, um, like this, the, this conversation comes up more often than not, because, you know, there's always the interpersonal dynamics, but once you have more than one person in the room, Right. Then we have to talk about the system that's in the room. Systems. Mm. Right. So then we have to talk about patriarchy. Is, you know, where's patriarchy in relationship to this conversation right here? Mm. Right. That we're trying mm -hmm. to have. Where's misogyny? Right. Where is capitalism? Right. Where is homophobia, transphobia, trans antagonism? Like then we mm. have to start positioning then you know then then we become like chess pieces right so mm, we yeah. have to then begin to talk about positionality right because then as clinician right i need to position myself you know like yeah. hey this is where i am this is where my lenses are and mm -hmm. the and these are the positions where you are and then let, let's get a clear picture mm -hmm. of everything that's happening in the room so that right we can be back in that like that tethering toward collective liberation that we can be in once we authentically positioned ourselves in space mm. right mm. right now mm. we can talk about how to free up this relationship right because now we know what's happening right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah mm. it, this is this is a, a critical piece when you start oh, wow. working with more than one person mm. I can hear how positionality is very decolonized. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that the things are said out loud, that the stolen doesn't become forgotten, that it's all... I'm just going back to attended to. I love this so much that it's, we can attend to it if we know where it is, what it is, where it's going. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also have to say that the facial expressions that we all have during this has been incredible. I'm just like, <laughs> I I love all of them. <laughs> right. I can see us feeling it. Mm. The mm-hmm. engagement. People listening can't see that, but I am for one appreciating that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great in many of your writings you have said one moves from grief to liberation what embodiment practices do you recommend for folks moving through grief and toward liberation also what is liberation coaching I'd love a little bit more of an answer mm-hmm. for that if you don't mind mm-hmm. so I understand it <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 um yeah so you know, we were kind of talking about this a little bit ago, like just grief. I mean, I feel like we got to start there. Like, what is grief? Ah. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of people are talking about grief these days, right? You know, it's, um, I don't think it's quite as, you know, buzzy as embodiment, but, you know, people are finally getting around to the conversation of grief, you know, particularly in the pandemic as, you know, we presence, like many of us have lost many, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, have just managed, you know, the the grief, not just of loss of person and personhood, but just like loss of ways of being and the grief, the grief of that, the grief of not mm-hmm. being in embodied space with friends and family. Right. Um, so there's there's so, so much there. Um, and, you know. And, and I can get back to that, but. To answer your question about liberation coaching, um, that really came to me as um, something that I could do to support myself while in graduate school to become a counselor. And then I became a counselor and I never stopped doing it. Mm. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's really a coaching space and it's set up a little bit differently than, you know, a traditional sort of like private practice for mental health, you know. Um, and in that, in a lot of ways and, you know, first being, you know, this is a resource come as you need. So I don't like, people come as they need to come and they have access to my schedule and we do the work. Sometimes we work very closely together. Sometimes it's spread out. Um, but it's really a space. It's kind of like this loving, challenging space to help people move themselves out of a place of stagnancy in a particular area, right? Um, And it has, a lot of it has come to move toward grief. And I've also started working a lot with couples and like relationships. Um, And so um, it, and it has supported me. And it was like, I had this coaching practice in graduate school where I was seeing clients and um, you know, my name was kind of being passed around and, you know, I was like busy, right. (laughs) As a graduate student. And it was, it was, it was so exciting. And, and now the work has really expanded to like, I'm taking this work to organizations Mm. and I end up doing facilitation 
right? And and providing, you know, strategies for liberation. Like this is like it is about moving you through, but it is like to for the express purpose of getting you free. Mm. Right? And free as you design it, as you feel it in your body, right? Like you know you're free when you feel free, right? Mm. Because you're already free. <laughs> you came to me free, right? Mm. I'm just going to help you feel free in your body, right? Mm. And that's what liberation coaching is, right? It's like, mm. let's just get you feeling free, right? You want to set some boundaries? Let's set the boundaries that feel free <laughs> and feel light, right? Mm. Let's do that, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's, you know, that's a little, I mean, that's like a, a tiny little nut of what happens, you know, because I'm doing a lot of things in that space and, and exploring a lot of different modalities, doing a lot of embodiment work and a lot of boundaries. Ooh, mm-hmm. boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about, you know, what, what, like, how can I get, like, I can get free for, like, at the end of grief, like, if I actually grieve... I can be liberated. Like how, how does that work? Because mm. that's, that's the question that people come to me with, right? Like how are we doing grief and liberation at the same time? That don't even sound right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Right. Um, so, so grief, right. We were talking about that. Like grief is a feeling, right. It has, ancestral implications, emotional implications, spiritual implications, but at the end of the day, right? It's a feeling. Mm -hmm. We must feel feelings in our bodies. As humans, that's our only option, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I can't think grief. Mm. Ooh, we try, but we we can't. We sure try. I try. Same, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Right. And in some ways we can perform grief, right? We mm-hmm. can mourn publicly. We can mm-hmm. have, you know, these rituals and different things that we do, right? But, you know, on the on the whole, grief is a feeling and humans feel feelings in our bodies, mm-hmm. right? So that's how we get back to this embodiment practice with grief, right? So we have to be in relationship, right? With the body to be in relationship with our grief. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wish it were another way. Yeah. I really do. Right. Because there's the pain, like the heartbreak that is, that is, it's painful. Right. And so when we do grief work, we have to make space for the body to feel the heartbreak. Yeah. So how do we make space for grief? Don't nobody want to hear what I'm about to say. <laughs> I and already it. know I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I was nobody so- wants to hear this. I was like, I don't want to oh I do. You don't want to go okay. here. See? See? I can already, I can already feel out. the tension in my body being like, Same. nope, nope, nope. I like felt myself physically move away from the right. From the screen, All the so. contraction. It was yeah. like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. How do we make space for grief? You know what you have to do first? You gotta stop working. Oh, 
I knew you were going to say something like that. <laughs> you got to stop pretending to be busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For, it's for play play. <laughs> Tell you, this busyness mm-hmm. is for play play. It's mm-hmm. not real. Right. Not real. Fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. oh, I fine. believe you and also fuck. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So my clients come to me in deep, deep grief, working 16 hours a day, mm. hip out, right? Completely exhausted, right? Pain in the body. Well, what are we going to do? What I'm going to do with you when mm. when you're busy for 16 hours a day? Yeah. Right. Mm. So you got to stop. You got to stop pretending to be busy. You mm. manufactured all this sense of urgency in your life. Because <sighs> you don't want to grieve. It's okay. It's okay. Right. So wow. that, that loving challenge. Right. So how 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 are we going to have you work less so that you can grieve? So that your hip can stop hurting. So that that sciatica can stop killing you at night. Okay? Yeah. Right. Come on. Let's do it. It's okay. It's okay. Right? Wow. To create space, we have to create space? Ugh. <laughs> Dang it. That. Imagine that. And so then we have to tackle all these structures in your brain that make you feel like you're so important. (laughs) Sorry, that's a deep, that was a gut gut laugh, only because it's so true. Only because it's so true. That, That somehow the world will not continue to revolve without you such that you must work these long you see it's it's fallacy it's it's in the mind Mm. right so this people think that like literally this this is the grief work (laughs) is figuring out right how to make space for grief and it and these are boundaries Mm. because they guide our behavior right Mm. so in the presence of my grief because i want to honor my grief Right. In the presence of what I think I need to be doing, I'm going to do less. Right. I'm not going to respond to emails outside of these hours. Right. Oh, that one got me right in my, oh, I do that (laughs) spot. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to line up this, you know, care, this child care. I'm going to do these things that I need to do. I mean, if somebody comes to me, right, like having lost like two very close family members, mm. right? It's it's figuring out how, how how do we move everything, everything off the schedule, mm. right? I'm going to challenge you on everything you think is important mm. because nothing is more important than this grief, mm. right? And so now that we have the container right we develop a relationship with the body so that we can be in relationship with the grief 
right? So now we're back to what do I need now? What does the body need now? What is my grief asking for? What does my broken heart need? Mm. Right? Mm. Right? And then we move it through. We move it through. We move it through. We move the grief through the body toward liberation. Holy shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think of the body as a container. I'm just realizing a major point of unlearning I need to do for myself. I'm like, oh, it's all contained here. Like that kind of container. I better keep it contained. That's how that word has been showing up for me related to my body. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. hearing what you have to say, it's like a container is a space. Why do you have, why does it have to already be pre-filled? What if it, it's mm. for, it's for movement. It's for movement towards something. Yeah. And, and we're, we're moving the grief through the body. The, the body isn't designed to contain like the grief forever, right? We want to move it through. We want to compost, right? To make space mm. for when the grief returns because it always mm. is coming back. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So we just want to keep, we want to keep the, the, the grief able to move mm-hmm. through the body. Right. Mm. But we can't do that if we're ignoring it, if we're working like busyness is the number one strategy in grief avoidance. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. So we just want to keep it, keep the body limber, you know, kind of emotionally limber. Right. Mm-hmm. To, to be able to to hold it when it comes. Right. And it'll go away because it's we don't believe this. Right. We you know, we think that if we we have those five years of tears stored inside of us, that if we mm-hmm. start, we'll never stop. Right. We'll That's what stop. clients believe. That's what we believe. Right. Yeah. It's not true. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, you feel better, lighter after you've mm-hmm. had the good cry. Right. Absolutely. But why do we fight it? Mm. <laughs> right. You're talking about this toddler down here. <laughs> it made me what's coming through. It's funny because. Jen and I texted this morning about something and I use the term ugly crying all the time, but I'm like, maybe it's just a hard cry. Maybe it's okay to not be afraid of this guttural, this visceral reaction to something. I just need to get it out. And mm-hmm. instead of seeing it as ugly, instead of seeing it as vulnerable, well, it is vulnerable, but instead of seeing it some, as something that I have to avoid, just get it out. That feels really, mm-hmm. oh, my stomach hurts in a good way, but like, really, I don't feel good. <laughs> like, I really don't because <laughs> right. I'm just being honest. I'm just being right. honest. Right, feels, right, right, right really really powerful right now yeah Ooh, grief is uncomfortable like I need to go hard cry not ugly cry but have a hard cry. yeah it's uncomfortable but it's necessary yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I avoid it because I have told myself it's not necessary yeah because as you so lovingly pointed out and also was like a dagger to my being is that I think I'm really important <laughs> yeah yeah we all do it's okay <laughs> we're or human beings who are meaning making machines it's an automatic mm-hmm. especially with neurodivergence my adhd brain is like let's make meaning about the silence mm-hmm. in the room there's not even anything there and i'm like ooh, meaning let's find it you know it's like a yeah. constant choose your own adventure game mm-hmm. constant but i never get to plug my batteries in about that right it's just always 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 so thinking about 
I love the word strategy that you used in grief mm-hmm. avoidance mm-hmm. because something that I, when not embodied about something, have trouble accessing is like, what is my strategy? <laughs> How did I get here? What happened? You know, it's that kind of feeling like it happened to me, but I was the one doing the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was just sitting mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. if I'm not busy, what if I have more choice? Mm-hmm. I didn't know this mm-hmm. is where you were going to bring up boundaries, but now it's like, duh, yeah. to my brain. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm very, Siobhan and I talk about this all the time. I'm pretty new to boundaries, like mm-hmm. actively trying to do them, <laughs> like trying mm-hmm. to <laughs> not trample them, not, mm-hmm. you know, treat them like a speed bump instead of like the boundary that it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. I'm like, oh, no problem. <laughs> Jump over that boundary. And on the other side of that, I'm like, why is it so chaotic over here? Why am I so stressed out? Where's my body in this? I can't feel anything. It's yeah. like, oh, that was all over there. But exactly. I was supposed to treat it like a boundary instead of pretending right, right. that I can just leapfrog it and be like, oh, it's fine too right. over here, which is a mm-hmm. lie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the recipe for resentment. So, right. You jump over your own boundary. Anything that Mm -hmm. happens over in that land, Mm. (laughs) the chaos, the resentment, (laughs) like you mad at somebody that's not yourself when it needs to be Mm -hmm. yourself because you left over your own boundary. Yeah. Mm. It's it's hard Mm. out there in that world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) We love to resent. (laughs) We do. I love being I busy resenting. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Blaming. See, if you had just done X, Y, and Z, see, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. over. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Wait, what? Yeah. And it's like, it's like a thing that cements me over there in the place mm-hmm. where I've um, voided my own uh. boundary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit. I'm thinking, I'm thinking shit a lot. <laughs> First of all, this is ringing extremely true. Yeah. Um, core of me true. Yeah. Tapping yeah. into what being me actually is mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and how I keep myself from that conditioned, mm-hmm. practiced, mm-hmm almost mm-hmm. devoted to like intentionally mm-hmm. keeping myself this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's also coming up for me is that fear, like, but who am I if I'm not on that martyr shit? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> I'm just being yeah. honest. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And you I mean, get I to grieve gr- gr- that too. You get to grieve right. that too, right? Who am I now that I'm no longer, right? Doing <laughs> yeah. this thing I do all the mm-hmm. time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's an identity crisis mm-hmm. and grief as well so you know we gonna get there oh i love a crisis i love it <laughs> how else can i be important unless i'm in crisis right <laughs> listen to me i'm in crisis attend to me not me attend to myself but come attend to me i'm in crisis pay mm-hmm. attention to me mm-hmm. no processing yeah. let's think and talk and spew this stuff at each other but i'm not going to process anything Wow. That gave me chills. I just realized how much I'm not processing. I just, I just really got that in my body, how much I'm not processing things. Your sharing is so generous. It's not just authentic. It's so generous Mm -hmm. that I forgot the French word for that. The beautiful intentional pause. That's like, 
what shows up for you there? And I'm like, I love a crisis. And you're like, what shows up for you there? And I'm like, I don't do any of that. Right. That's like, what's <laughs> it's, and it's not thoughts, although they're coming out as thoughts because we're recording a podcast, but I'm feeling that mm. well, it's thoughts too, but I'm feeling that in my body, like, Oh, I don't like to go to this spot. <laughs> oh, I don't like that one either. I'm like feeling like we don't go here in this place in my body, whatever this is. Mm. I love that invitation of we, like me and my body, mind and body, the non-dualism mm-hmm. of the connection that's always there. Yes. Um, I was like, I, I just heard myself use we, and I'm like, Ooh, I get what that invitation is about. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. 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 Ooh. Uh, this is delicious. <laughs> and we're talking about grief so and juicy. boundaries yeah. and things yeah. that make me feel icky. Like things are crawling yeah. on me kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. still feels like delicious to my body. Like, Ooh, let's, yeah. Let's remember this. Let's go here yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. 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 Just want, I'm just, you know, just leave you wanting more. Uh, you do. <laughs> I want all of it. Let it, let it, let it sit out there and you know, it'll all kind of oh. digest as it needs to. Cause you know, I know we're coming, you know, toward the end of our time. Uh, we are uh, fine. <laughs> I want to be near the end. Another cool. thing I don't want to do, but okay. <laughs> Fine, fine. Let's be done. Uh, <laughs> fine, whatever. Uh, we've talked about a lot of the big and small picture perspectives in this conversation. What do you think we can all do to make a difference with what we've learned today? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the thing that comes to me <clears throat> is believe, believe your body right? Mm. Believe your body, you know, and it makes me think of, you know, Maya Angelou when she says, you know, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time, believe your body, believe your body the first time, right? The first time that you feel that, that quickening or that, you know, I, I should go to the bathroom or, Mm. I should call someone or, you know, believe, believe your body. Believe, like, let's believe our bodies. Like, if I could leave that as our message, the final message, right, is to just believe your body because your body can't lie, right? We can lie. We can lie to ourselves. We can lie to each other. But your body will not lie to you. Fuck. Right. Wow. (laughs) That fuck was, I love that so deeply. (laughs) And I could like hear my brain fast forwarding about the inconvenience of believing Mm -hmm. my body the first time. Yeah, totally. Wow. Let's be inconvenient Mm -hmm. with ourselves. That feels very not capitalist. Capitalism hates Mm -hmm. an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. It's so spacious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's inherently anti-oppressive, right? Mm -hmm. Just believe your body. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it takes, right? And for some of us, it takes a lot, you know, because, you know, some some of us, right, depending on your tradition, have been taught to any, you know, the devil is a lie. Anything happening in your body is a lie, right? Yep. But Mm -hmm. I would just say believe your body. Mm -hmm. Let's let's do what we have to do to believe the body. Yes, a core of white, Western, global North 
capitalism and colonialism is listen to what we say. Don't feel what you're feeling. Don't be who you are. You don't know what's going on in there. We have the answers, right? Fundamentalist bullshit is the phrase that's sitting in my mind. This is the way we've always done it. A lie. So let's do it this way from now on. Correct. Yeah. Oh, that brought up some. mm -hmm rage feelings in my body Mm -hmm. and we get to just say i believe you body i believe you Mm. wow what an affirmation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well i'm avoiding ending and i'm gonna stop (laughs) (laughs) michelle Mm -hmm. thank you so 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 Mm -hmm. much for being here with us Mm -hmm. today Mm -hmm. and as we finish up this episode what would you like everyone listening to know about what you're up to and how they can find you? And what direction are you feeling in at this moment? What position are you in? What direction are you in? Um, career, work, yes, future. Yes. yes. You know, I'm really, um, I'm, I'm working on writing. I'm writing about grief, um, you know, trying to further articulate you know, this, this message of grief and liberation such that it can reach a wider audience. Um, so some of that is pushing through some of those access issues, right? We talk about and, and getting into, um, that space. I have a piece that's being published, uh, right now through the feminist press that'll be available, um, soon, (laughs) but really thinking about writing, thinking about, um, how to continue to universalize the messages that, you know, are coming around grief, around embodiment, you know, um, and those types of things. You, you, my digital home is at liberationstrategies.com. Mm-hmm. You can also find me on Instagram at liberatewithmichelle. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are kind of the places to, to find me, um, um, more about, you know, just what I'm doing and mainly what I'm thinking. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so that's, that's really, you know, it for me, just continuing to, to work with clients as they come, as they need, um, writing and yeah, just, uh, figuring out how, if my body wants to to produce anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be doing Absolutely. that too. Right. Yeah. So thank you all. Just oh. this time, it just felt so sweet, so, <laughs> so yummy and generous and generative. Um, I feel very, very grateful to have been asked to join you today. Mm. We are so honored. I, I, feel like I have a million things to say and nothing to say. Like I'm really <laughs> just sitting with that right now. And it's just a really tough and tender place to be as Jen loves to say tough and tender. And I've been saying it a lot now. So it's just really beautiful. It. Thank you. Really beautiful. Mm. Such a gift. We really appreciate it. Mm. Yeah. Tough and tender is the real peanut butter and jelly of life. It's really what it is. <laughs> yes. Um, that sounds good. Sorry. This was amazing. <laughs> no, this is amazing. Um, I appreciated the rawness yes, and am appreciating the rawness Mm -hmm. of today. I feel very raw, but in a very connected way. Correct. Absolutely. Um, Not just with myself, but with each of you. Mm -hmm. And that feels really special. 
-hmm. really, really special. It's very, it's feeling very, I believe it. If that makes sense. When something is about to end, it's like, I, I don't believe it anymore on some level. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the busyness speaking, right? Just jumping to the next thing. That thing doesn't matter, but I really feel, I still feel that the presence of it and with each other. So thank you for that. This is such a gift. I couldn't say enough about it. Thank you. It's been <gasps> wonderful. Thank you yes. so, so much. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you all. You're amazing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to season two of the embodiment for the rest of us podcast episodes will be published every two weeks ish because let's be real here, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find the podcast at our website, embodimentfortherestofus.com and follow us on social media on both Twitter at embodiment us and on Instagram at embodiment for the rest of us. We look forward to being with you again next time in conversation. <laughs>